This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Matthew verse 24, verse 30, verse 30, verse 30, he said, the sign of the Son of Man, they shall see the Son of Man, he said. Christ will be seen as a man, a real man, with nail marks in his hands and his feet. There'll be no doubt about who he is. He'll be seen with light coming from his body, just like he was seen on the Mount of Transfiguration when it says in Mark 9.2, Mark 9.2, after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. So when all this happens, and Christ is seen in this tremendous glory as a man, the man who was crucified, now is the Lord shining with such a light that he's replacing the sun and the moon and the stars, there's gonna be two responses from two different groups of people. The first group of people will be believers, and they've been mourning, they've been sad, they've been crying, because during this whole great tribulation, that's what is gonna generate in them. But when Christ appears, Isaiah 60 verse 20 says, Isaiah 60 verse 20, the days of thy mourning shall be ended. So they're happy, very happy when Christ comes. But then there's another group of people, and these are the people who believe that there is no God. These are the people who believe that there's no judge of their sins, there's no Christ that they need to put their trust in to be saved from their sins. They are the people who believe that there's no creator who made them. And they are the people who believe that the sun and the moon and the stars have been for billions of years in the past and are gonna be that enabled evolution and that they're gonna be for billions of years in the future. These are the people whose foundations of their belief rest on 2 Peter 3, 4, 2 Peter 3, 4, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. There's no change. Ecclesiastes, 1.9, 1.9, Ecclesiastes 1.9, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. There's no new thing under the sun. So when this group of people see this disturbing sight of the flash and the sun and the moon and stopping, and then the man, Jesus Christ, appears in the sky with this brilliant radiance that replaces the sun, their response is gonna be like those at the VA hospital in La Jolla. They're gonna scream for terror. Their response is gonna be, oh no, it's all true, and I believed a lie, and it's too late for me now. They're gonna be like those who, who in Zechariah, the Jewish people, who say, where did you get those wounds in your hands? And he's gonna say, oh, I got those in the house of my friends. And they're gonna have 
one response, and their response is gonna be verse 30. Verse 30, then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They're gonna mourn because they realize that while they were saying that there's no God, they should have been confessing that Jesus Christ is God. And they're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize it's now too late. They're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize that when they were teaching their children and their students that there's no creator and no God, they should have been teaching that Jesus Christ is John 1.1, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. They're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize they should have been teaching Colossians 1.15, Colossians 1.15, that Christ is the image of the invisible God, and for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, invisible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities of powers. All things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and all, by him all things consist. And they're gonna mourn because they're gonna realize it's too late. They're gonna mourn because when they see all these things, they're gonna realize that when they were talking and taking the name of Jesus Christ in vain as a swear word, they should have been doing what it says in Philippians 2.10, Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in all things. And they're gonna mourn because they're gonna know that the name of Jesus should have been bowed to and worshiped to and not laughed at as a joke, and it's too late. Now, we're told that what's gonna happen next in this sequence is that Jesus Christ tells us in verse 31, verse 31, he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they'll gather together as elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So the lightning flashes, there's this great trumpet sound, only this trumpet sound, it's a calling sound and it comes to every person on the earth and it says in Revelation 1-7, Revelation 1-7, behold he cometh with clouds, every eye shall see him, they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. So there's a special group that's going to see him. They're called the they also which pierced him. And who are they? They are the Zechariah 12.10, Zechariah 12.10, where God says, I will pour grace upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants, the spirit of grace, and they'll look upon me whom they have pierced and mourn for him. So it's the house of David, it's the inhabitants of Jerusalem, it's the Jewish people who are the ones who pierced him. That's what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.14, 1 Thessalonians 2.14, you brethren became followers of the churches of God which is in Judea, and you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and persecuted us. So when Christ returns, the Jewish people will realize that when they turned Christ over to the Romans to be crucified and they killed their own Messiah, their own God, they're gonna mourn greatly for what they've done. It's gonna be a tremendous, what have we done? But Christ is going to pour on them the spirit of grace and they're going to then have a special fountain open for them, the fountain of Zechariah 13.1. Zechariah 13.1, in that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. First, the tremendous mourning on the part of the Jewish people, and then the tremendous cleansing, the tremendous forgiveness for their sins. The Lord now 
turns and as if he said, I've told you a lot of information, I've told you a lot of details, and it's caused your head to swim, and really the question is, how are you supposed to use all this information? What are you supposed to do with it all? And he says, the way you should use this is in verse 32, verse 32. He says, learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put it forth through leaves, you know the summer is nigh. So likewise, when you should see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. And then he says, this generation shall not pass to all these be fulfilled. So he's telling us, look, when you see a fig tree and you see the blossoms and you see the buds, you know what's coming next. You know the fruit of the fig trees are coming. Are coming. So when you see the lawlessness, the earthquakes, the pandemics, the deceptions, and the wars and so forth, understand that we're heading forward toward the return of Christ. And then he said, heaven and earth, in verse 35, verse 35, he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He didn't say that heaven and earth may pass away. He said, it's gonna pass away. Just as it says in 2 Peter 3.10, 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Just like the hymn says, the Bible stands, though the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand when the earth shall crumble. I'll plant my feet on its firm foundation. The Bible stands, the Bible stands. And Christ said that it was, at one point he said, another part he said, as far as a rich man getting into heaven, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, he used the same it's easier words in Luke 16, 17. Luke 16, 17, he said, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Tittle is very tiny Hebrew mark that's used in writing. And he said that it, it's more difficult for a tittle in the Bible to be changed than it is for heaven and earth to pass away. Heaven and earth is gonna pass away, but his words won't pass away. And what he's specifically talking about in his words is the gospel. The gospel, just like the hymn of the, from the Ozarks puts it, oh my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Hide me safely in the rock of ages, rock of ages cleft for me. What that hymn is saying, is that all that really matters is the gospel. And the gospel is going to endure, and that's why the gospel is worth singing about. The gospel is the fact that because Christ, there's a fact that Christ used his blood to pay the price of our sins. And so therefore we sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The gospel is the fact that Christ used his blood to open the door of heaven for us. And we sing, to God be the glory, great things he has done, so loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. The gospel is the fact that Christ used his blood to wash our sins away to wash our sins away, and we sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The gospel is the fact that Christ has used his blood to make an atonement for us. And we sing, Christ has for full atonement made. What a wonderful savior. I am redeemed, the price is paid. What a wonderful savior. 
The gospel is the fact that Christ has used his blood to bring forgiveness to us for our sins. And we sing, praise my soul, the king of heaven, to his feet your tribute bring. Ransom, healed, restored, forgiven. Evermore his praises sing. This is what the gospel is. The gospel is redemption, heaven open, cleansing, atonement, forgiveness. And the gospel's all that matters. As we look to how everything's going to change, and it's all that matters is the gospel. As Peter said in 1 Peter 1.23, 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The gospel is what matters. And the gospel's an agreement, it's a covenant that God makes with man, and this covenant brings the kindness of God to man. The gospel is, is explained in Isaiah 53, the 50, great 53rd chapter of Isaiah, with the words like Isaiah 53.5, Isaiah 53.5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. All we like sheep, we went astray. We turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then in the next chapter, Isaiah 54, Isaiah 54, God's looking, it's like God is looking back on that previous chapter of Isaiah 53 and he makes a statement about the gospel in Isaiah 54.10, Isaiah 54.10, the mountains shall depart, the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. The gospel's not gonna fail. The gospel will never fall to the ground because Christ said it and Christ's accomplishment and every word of Christ is pure and every word of Christ is more secure than the stability of the ground we stand on. Now, exactly when the world's gonna come to an end and when Christ is gonna return, Christ was very, very clear on this when he just said in verse 36, verse 36, of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So in spite of the statement, in spite of what he said that, it's amazing how many people think they can just pin it down. They can just sit down and figure out, oh, I know exactly when he's gonna come, figure it all out. As a matter of fact, the Lord did say the time when he definitely would not come be coming back, he said in verse 44, verse 44, therefore be ye also ready, for in the such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. In other words, he's saying, it's just when you think that he's coming back at this particular time, I can tell you that's not the time. He says, definitely not the time. Now, in verse 36, Christ spoke of both the day and the hour, so the day, could be as in a period of time, as in a general time when he's gonna return, the hour you might think of as the exact point in that time, and he says, you can't know, you cannot predict it. Now the Lord once again points back to that time when the world was destroyed by water in the days of Noah, and he's pointing now to the people who were alive 
during that time, which he calls the days of Noah, in verse 37, verse 37. As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So Christ said that before he returns, it's gonna be just like the days of Noah. And Christ described what people were doing then, just before the flood. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying. In other words, it was a time of partying. It was a time of partying, it was a time of celebrations. Instead of what Isaiah said they should be doing in Isaiah 22, verse 12. Isaiah 22, verse 12. In that day did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth and behold joy and gladness slaying oxen, killing sheep, eating flesh, drinking wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we shall die. And it was revealed in mine ears by the Lord of hosts saying, surely this iniquity shall not be purged from you till you die, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, they're eating and they're drinking when they should be repenting and praying. They should be praying for the forgiveness of sins. They're glad and they're joyful when they should be sad and sorrowful because of their sins. They're out there slaughtering oxes and killing sheep so the parties can go on when they should be fasting. They're putting on their best clothes, they look the best, when they should be putting on sackcloth and ashes. And they're saying, Isaiah 22:13, Isaiah 22:13, they're saying, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we shall die, when they should have been saying, let's repent and call on the name of Christ because tomorrow we're gonna face judgment. But their view is that after death, there's nothing. There's nothing at all. Their assurance is that the crematorium is gonna ensure that they won't have to face God in judgment. They're gonna be burned up to ashes, scattered on the sea. Their understanding is that their life is short and they should use that short time to become as happy and joyful and enjoy life with the few number of days they have left. And their confidence, their confidence is Isaiah 56, 12. Isaiah 56, 12. Come ye, say they, I'll fetch wine, we'll fill ourselves with strong drink, tomorrow shall be as this day, only much more abundant. Their confidence is tomorrow is gonna be as this day, only better. Just like the song from Annie, you know, when I, just when I'm stuck with, with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick up my chin and grin and say, the sun will come out tomorrow. So you gotta hang in there till tomorrow, come what may. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. They say, today's not bad, but tomorrow's gonna get better than today. They're singing zippity doo dah, zippity doo dah. What a wonderful feeling, what a wonderful day. zippity doo zippity doo is it? Sunshine's heading my way. The people, they don't budge. They don't budge from this firm confidence and this assurance and their understanding and their feeling that all's well. It's just a time to enjoy life to the fullest. And even though all of this time, Noah's not silent. He's not just swinging a hammer. He's preaching, 2 Peter 2.5, 2 Peter 2.5. He spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of ungodly. Noah had a lot of sermons. 
And he preached righteousness. He preached righteousness. He says he preached the righteousness of God. Ezra 9.15, Ezra 9.15, the Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous. Noah preached the righteousness that God has. Noah preached the righteousness that man does not have. It says in Isaiah 64.6, Isaiah 64.6, all of our, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we fade and our sins like the wind have just blown us away. Noah preached the righteousness that was needed for man to enter heaven. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And Noah preached the righteousness by faith, by believing God. Romans 4, 3, Romans 4, 3, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And then Noah preached the righteousness that God wants to give man as a gift. 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us righteousness. So Noah's preaching all this, and the people around him are not believing, they're not accepting, they're not coming, they're persisting in their very firm confidence and their assurance and their understanding and their feeling that they're correct. And Noah's wrong, and they did this right up to a point, right up into a point, Christ said in verse 38, verse 38, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They didn't budge. They didn't budge from their position. They were sincere. They were 100% convinced until the day he enters the ark, and then it all changed. And then Christ said, tragic words in verse 39, verse 39, they knew not until the flood came and took them away. Just astounding words. They knew not. They didn't know. They should have known. Noah was telling them. He was doing all he could to make known to. He was pouring his heart out. Why didn't they know? Why didn't they know? They didn't know because they chose not to know. The Bible talks about a willful ignorance. They didn't know because they didn't want to know. They didn't want to know that they were sinful and that God was going to judge them for their sins. They didn't want to know that. They didn't want to know that at all. So they simply chose not to know. God wanted them to know. God was waiting for them to know. 1 Peter 3.20, 1 Peter 3.20, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, were in few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. God waited 120 years for them to know, and they didn't know. Because man says this way, man says, First, I need to know, then I'll believe. That's what man says. Man says the order is, first, I know, second, I believe. And God says, no, 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 that's not the way faith works. The order is, is actually reversed. First, you believe, then you'll know. First John 5, 13, first John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. They didn't know because they chose not to believe. And Jesus Christ said that if a person believes to the point of doing God's will, he'll know. John 7, 17, John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, he'll know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So 
we try to put all these things together in this chapter, what we've seen from the words of Christ was that there is a general course of the world as it heads toward the end, very bad. And we've seen that an end will come to this world, the world as we know it, both the world and the heavens are gonna be changed with the coming of Christ, but we've seen that the, there is a foundation, a sure foundation, it's the gospel, it's the words of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that though the earth may crumble, Lord, that we have a, a firm foundation in the words of Christ and of the gospel. Thank you for that, Lord, this morning. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to have our feet firmly faced. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.